Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 729 with Jane Hansen. Jane has a towering resume when it comes to broadcasting and winning Emmys, and she is sharing some of her lessons learned over a lifetime of such work so that we can become better communicators. So you'll learn, one, why we're listening wrong and how to fix it, two, how to communicate well through body language, and three, the words that undermine your credibility. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, please drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP729. And if you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I recommend you check out some of our cool stuff like the Gold Nugget email list, which gives you summary insights that are super actionable that Jane shared here in an email you can read in about two, three minutes right to your inbox, as well as unlocking the whole vault of all such insights. We call those Gold Nuggets at awesomeatyourjob.com. So check them out. And here is Jane's story. Jane Hansen began as an anchor and correspondent for NBC New York in 1979. In 1988, Jane was named co-anchor of Today in New York, a position she held until 2003 when she became the station's primary anchor for local programming and the host of Jane's New York. She covered events ranging from the tragedy of 9-11 to the joy of Yankees victory parades to Wall Street in Washington. She's interviewed presidents, business magnates, prisoners, celebrities, and traveled as far as the Gobi Desert of Mongolia in the great depths miles below New York City for special reports. Jane has won nine Emmy Awards. In addition, she was named Correspondent of the Year by New York's police detectives and received a similar honor from New York's firefighters. She has won many awards and has appeared in many places. Big thanks to Jane for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Jane. Jane, thanks for joining us here on How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to be here because obviously you're awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Well, and you have had an awesome career. I kind of <laughs> want to start by hearing perhaps one of your, your favorite or most thrilling stories from 30-ish years of being a news correspondent and anchor. Well, I have to tell you that everybody always says when you're um, an anchor or a correspondent, your best story is the last one you did, but um, because there's so many, you can't even remember them all. But I will tell you, the, one of the most awesome ones ever is the day that, because I worked in New York City um, for most of my life for NBC, 
And so the day that I was sent down to interview um, a guy named Desmond Tutu, who worked with the apartheid movement in South Africa, and he was, you know, in town, I think he was going to the UN or something. And so I go down to do this interview. I do my prep work. I start talking and reporters are always like, we always got to move, 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 move fast. So I, I get down and I'm sitting on this bench talking with them and the people that are with them interrupt them and say, I'm sorry, we have to stop for a minute. I'm like, oh, come on. I'm almost done. Please just let me finish. And they said, no, you really want us to stop. So they pulled him aside and they told him that he had just won the Nobel Peace Prize. Ah. So he comes back and sits down with me and tears are streaming down his face. I start to choke up and cry. I mean, it was just one of those one of those moments where you're watching this incredible human being who has just been told that all of the work that he's done for the people that he represents, for the good of the world, is being recognized in that way. And of course, being the kind of person that he was, the awesome human being, he simply said, this is all about them. I don't deserve it. They all do. And I mean, it's a moment I'll never forget because it was just kind of out of the blue, but there you're watching this incredible little piece of history being made in front of your eyes. I saw history all the time, but it's the result of that and the poignancy and the beauty and the knowledge of what somebody had accomplished and and me just watching it in that moment was probably one of the greatest things I ever saw. Well, that is cool. Thank you. Well, now I want to hear about some of the greatest things you've ever learned in terms of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anything particularly surprising or su- fascinating or, or counterintuitive that you've made about what makes for effective and powerful communication? Well, for one of the things that I will tell you is I think that great leaders are people who are much kinder and more thoughtful and more approachable than you could imagine. And I think that's what makes them great leaders and great communicators. I also have discovered that people really like to be asked for help. You're always afraid of asking somebody and saying, oh, no, they're too big a deal. And what do they want with little old me? And I'm afraid to ask them because they'll say no. But again, back to the greatest people and the greatest communicators, if you are very specific in asking them for what you need in that moment or would like to know from them in that moment, they're extremely gracious about actually helping you and granting you that. And so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do that. I think that's one of the the best lessons of all. And then then I think, but truly the most important thing is listening. If you don't listen well, you're never going to get anywhere. And Wait, what'd and, you say, Jane? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let, if, maybe if I say it louder, that's the other thing. People think, well, if I just talk louder, then maybe they'll hear me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. So. Okay. Well, let's hear about listening first in terms of how does one listen well, effectively versus kind of what's, what do we get wrong about listening? Because I think we all say, well, of course I listen. What, what's missing, Jane? What's missing is we're too busy thinking about our answer mm-hmm. to really listen. So for example, you have a conversation with somebody and they're telling you a story. And instead of really taking in that story, thinking about what it means, and maybe just having a little bit of empathy or understanding, we're immediately thinking, oh, yeah, that happened to me, or uh, here's what I'm going to say back. And we haven't even heard the full story. So listening involves truly caring, truly 
having that kind of empathy and truly believing that this person is important. And how many times have you been talking to someone when you can see that their eyes are glancing over your shoulders at somebody else? Or they're, 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 not, they're not giving you that great body language that means you're listening. Listening isn't just about what your ears are doing. They're about what you're doing with your eyes and your facial expressions and maybe you're leaning in or not leaning in. It's, it's, there's so much more to simply listening that has nothing to do with what's coming in your ears. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Thank you. And, and then, so a lot of that really seems to boil down to, you know, do you actually care? You know, do, do you, is that person actually important to you? And so... I mean, what will you tell me, Jane? Sometimes you, know, you don't care. You're not interested. That person is not yet important to you. Not that, you know, you're a, a sociopath who <laughs> is like, everybody's a means <laughs> to my end and uh, move on from me. But it's just sort of like, I, I don't know this guy yet. I'm not really, you know, captivated yet. So how do you recommend we get there? Because I imagine over the course of 30-ish years of uh, broadcast journalism, there uh, were occasionally times you weren't feeling it. (laughs) How do you get in the mood? How do you feel it? (laughs) Well, that gets back to then kind of why are you there? And why are you talking to this person? And what's the purpose? Because, you know, purpose is a really big deal. I have had some of the best stories come to me because I actually ask someone a question maybe in an elevator, maybe on a street corner, maybe because they were sitting next to me on an airplane, only because I just, I don't know, I got curious about something weird, like maybe a tie or a piece of jewelry or a bag they were carrying or a book they were reading. And I'd ask them a question and all of a sudden I'd hear, or they'd tell me this story and I'd go, wow, that's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times that we really don't care. But if you can find one little common thing, it'll set you down a completely different path and an mm-hmm. interesting one. Okay, cool. All right. Well, so that's the listening so like, side. Let's, so let's like, like, let's like look at you, okay? I mean, I'm looking at you now. The audience mm-hmm. isn't. But uh, you have um, an Illinois sweatshirt on. I do. Now... I'd say, hey, did you go to Illinois? And maybe you'd say, nope. Oh, ah, <laughs> there we go. Well, so obviously you lived in the Midwest. I lived in the Midwest. Oh, my God. We're Midwesterners, right? That's true. And then we could get into a whole long thing about complaining about the winter mm-hmm. weather, or we could talk about how people, <laughs> yeah, how they ignore us and how they think that, you know, the middle of the country is a flyover place. Or we could, you know, we could get into a whole conversation because you're wearing that sweatshirt. That's right. Yes. Well, and you have a monkey playing a cello. <laughs> and that, wait, on that you? side. On bass? that side, I have um, uh, one with an accord playing an accordion. Yeah. So that that I am curious about this work of art. You, like, you and maybe it's famous and I just don't recognize it. But I'm like, wait, what's the story here? It's actually it's a screen, so you can take it off the wall oh, cool. and use it as a screen. I happen to like monkeys. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of monkey stuff in my house. And so that's just one of it. But I think it's really funny because, first of all, do you know anybody who likes the accordion? 
You know, I knew someone who was into dancing polka, uh-huh. but she didn't explicitly say she liked the accordion. Okay. I just inferred that. <laughs> <laughs> so polka dancing, I mean, look, if you grow up in the Midwest like I did, there's a lot of polka dancing going on, and there's a lot of people that play the accordion. So I like having an accordion there, not because I'm, I like the music so much, but I just think it's funny. Yeah. But it is, it is just, it is something, there's something comical about it. Like Steve Urkel played the accordion and it just fits. Is there something funny? Uh, I don't know. So there's something funny about the accordion. Right. There you is. Know. I Steve mean, Urkel. it's goofy. And but goofy. plus yeah. you got to really be talented because you got to, you got to pull, you know, you got to have the air going. So you got to pull it back and forth and then, and then use the hand to play the notes. And I mean, it's a lot of work to play an accordion. Mm-hmm. It is. Okay, so, well, well, Jane, this has been a really cool demo here because here here we are conversing about things and, and I'm enjoying myself you know, in terms of <laughs> covering Illinois Midwesterners, monkeys, accordions. It's, so it's it's good stuff just based on what was visually right there in front uh-huh. of us. Which, so visual is really important, which gets me to the most, the stuff I like to talk about the most, which is about body language. Okay, let's hear it. So, man and woman have been walking on Earth for, depending on who you believe, anywhere from 2 to 14 million years. But we've only had a spoken language for 160,000. So how did we communicate? Besides a few grunts here and there. It's all about how we used our bodies. And to this day, we still do it. Even though it's so innate, nobody actually recognizes how much they're doing it. So I challenge you to do, I challenge everybody who's listening to do it, take a little test. Turn on your television set and watch a show, but have the sound off. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be able to figure out the bulk of the story. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife does this sometimes. Like, oh, someone's yeah. angry. Someone's uh-huh. discovered something surprising. <laughs> uh-huh. But you can do it because it's the body language. Yeah. So, and the body language, like the face alone has something like 10,000 different expressions that we can use. I mean, some of them really fleeting, but every single one of them has a meaning, which was the really crappy part when we had, every time we were anywhere, we had to wear those masks. I mean, how much did you miss seeing people smile? You didn't know what people were really thinking because you couldn't see their mouths. But anyway, all I'm saying is that our bodies say so much more. I can tell you stories about which way your feet are pointing when you're sitting in somebody's office. What does that mean? Um, About how you're using your arms, the gestures. I mean, there's everything has got inner meaning to it that we subconsciously read and we don't even know it. Well, well, that's juicy. Yes. But, well, Jane, please lay it on us. We, we previously had um, FBI agent Joe Navarro, who, who wrote a great book about body language, What Everybody is Saying, which we'll link to. And he had some, some great nuggets. But, I mean, you are, are operating from a different context than law enforcement. So, so tell us, what have you found to be the most useful and reliable body language indicators of, of something useful or good? So we talked about some some feet pointing. Let's lay it on us. What, what are your, say, top five favorite indicators that tell you something useful? Well, I have to say one of the first is exactly what Joe Navarro probably told you about. Eye contact. All right. Did he tell you about when people look up to the left that they were lying? Well, he's, he's very nuanced and careful to not uh, <laughs> be as uh, black and white about that. But but yes, like like that, that could be indicative, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. about like, I am accessing an imagined 
content in my brain as opposed to remembering factual content in my brain. So I could very well potentially be fabricating something. And just to clarify for listeners, is it their left or the uh, or the left that we see? <laughs> it's usually the left that we see. The left we see. So if it goes left as though we were looking at a piece of paper and it's on the left, that means, hmm. There might be... may not be telling you the truth or the absolute truth, right? Okay. Okay. So that, so eye contact, eye contact's a really big deal because eyes are the gateway into the soul. So when you, when you're talking to someone and if you're not looking them directly in the eye, they're not going to trust you. They're not going to believe that you really care because I do a lot of uh, coaching, you know, via Zoom now and via whatever other platform. And it's hard because in order to have good eye contact, you need to be looking right up into the little lens. But your instinct is to be looking at the person that you're talking to. Now, when you're doing a podcast, it's much easier because you don't have to look at anybody. However, you really need to think about having great eye contact because if you don't, People just don't trust you. Okay, so eye contacts are nothing. Another thing is is um, crossing your arms. So crossing your arms can mean several things. One of the things that it can mean is is you really don't care what somebody's saying, that you're kind of bored, and it's an indication that mm, okay, fine, mm-hmm, okay, whatever. It also can mean, especially for women, that you're cold because maybe the air conditioning is on too much in a room, or maybe you need a sweater outside. So it means you're cold. It can also mean, hmm, I wanna get out of here. How am I gonna do that? So there's a lot of things with one gesture that can mean many things. When you take your hands and hold them, the most, the, the, what's called the most visionary look is, you know, playground balls, do you have kids? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the playground balls, they're not the size of a basketball, they're not the size of a baseball, they're kind of in between. Those playground balls, when you hold your hand, so it's like you've got that in the middle, that means that you're being extremely visionary, that what you're saying, it's a very well-rounded thought that we should take in. Or or you think it is, maybe. You think it is, but it's the way it's interpreted by somebody who's watching you. Okay, so, so you're saying that just by doing that, folks can assign more weight to what it is we're saying. When you hold your hands out and you've got that big wide gesture where your palms are up, kind of like when you see those preachers on TV, it may mean that you're really asking for something and maybe it's asking for something that you might not want to give. You're asking for something you don't want to give, like who wants to sign up for this committee? I don't. Like, like that? <laughs> that you want to give of your time to this thing that I don't want to give my time to. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. So the way your feet are pointed, when I was referring to it earlier, if your feet are pointed towards the person you're speaking to, you're being very open and you're clearly listening to them. If your feet are pointed away, it means you're not interested. Are you buying into any of this or do you think I'm just making it all up? <laughs> I'm wondering well, no, I, about I think you. The feet, I think the feet are good. I, I guess I'm just recalling, you know, Joe Navarro's rant about um, opaque tables in interrogation rooms and how that's a travesty and they need to be transparent. So I, I, so I was like, I was tracking and then I was remembering stuff. So I was imagining an interrogation room as we were speaking, but it's clear that you're observing my body language <laughs> as, as we're talking. Well, well, I, I'm observing like, you know, obviously I can only see a part of you. So you, it's harder to observe it as such, but you look like you're sitting up pretty straight. That's another big one is when people slump 
Again, that shows a lack of, of self-confidence. Slumping means you're not very, you're kind of down, you're not enthusiastic, etc. When you've got yourself, I mean, think about it. If somebody walks up to you and they're, they've got their shoulders slumped, you're kind of going, do I really want to speak to that person? That person looks kind of like this is going to be a painful conversation. Mm, they don't seem as, as open to that. Right, exactly. But when you're, but when you've got your shoulders back and you've got great posture, I have a, a wonderful old poster that uh, has somebody standing, you know, standing up, up straight. And it says, this is good. This is a good person. And then somebody who is really slumped over and it says, this is an evil person. Yeah. So oh, yeah, you think about that. Evil people um, tend to be slouched over and stroking hairless cats as a general rule of thumb. Like those are your telltale signs. Excellent, excellent, you know? <laughs> you're good, because I love how you're painting imagery in people's heads. Because that's a very big deal, too, is that we create the imagery because we may not be able to be showing it to them. Uh-huh. Cool. All right. Well, so you, you mentioned there are three core elements of speaking. Uh, what you say, how you say it, and body language. So we, we talked about some body language pieces. Could we hear a little bit about the, the what you say and then how you say it? Well, the how you say it is actually also having to do with body language because that's about delivery. But that's a lot of that is about how we use our voice. Voices, we barely use our voice. I mean, you have an excellent voice. Oh, thank you. It's nice and deep and solid. And that's what we like. We like, think of hot chocolate or bourbon or things melting. That's how he likes voices. That's how people have always done so well with, with commercials, how all those male voices that were really silky. That's why we like them so much, because we like those voices. Women are, you know, usually told to use their lower pitches because lower pitches are considered to be more believable. We hardly ever use the full range of what we have. We need to think about things like pace, how fast are you talking? When you talk faster and you go like, well, let me tell you about the story because this story is really exciting. You're really, really gonna love it. You think one of two things, either I'm so excited that I'm almost out of control or I'm so nervous, I don't know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Then you think about your tone, which is really intended to be the interpretation of something. So if I speak to you like this, and it's important that you know this fact. You're gonna say, man, this is important because listen to the way she's saying it. But if I say, it is really important that you know this. Now I've taken on an entirely different tone. You're going, eh, I'm not sure I'm gonna care. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Okay. So volume, softness, being soft can be equally as effective as being loud because in both cases, you're making me pay attention in one way or another. Softness can speak volumes about credibility, about authority, and about leadership. Mm -hmm. And, and I, as I think about softness, and it's it's not like I'm thinking about that sketch with uh, it was Andy Samberg, Shy Ronnie, uh, where he's just kind of mumbling really quietly, you know. And so, so that's probably not the softness that you're talking about, Jane. I'm guessing, but rather like like you're deliberately bring it softer, like um, there's something sort of touching or emotional or, or, or some gravitas, some seriousness ab about, a, about a thing. And so that you're, you're deliberately going there as opposed to you're like scared to, to own your volume and um, 
You so you're mumbling, yeah. Exactly. It is about technique. It, it's all about technique. You're absolutely right. Because people who are very soft-spoken, sometimes that's just their natural way of speaking, and that can be to their own detriment. Mm-hmm. Because then if you can't hear someone, and it's not a deliberate thing, like they're not trying to get you to pay attention, but you can't hear them, you're not going to, you aren't, you're simply going to dismiss them. Because if you can't hear it, it doesn't matter what you said. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, so then we, we talked a bit about body language and then vocal bits, your your volume and your pace and your and your tone. How about in terms of, I guess, the, the seven or 8%, the actual word choice? What do you think about that? Well, I don't want anybody to think that it doesn't matter what you what you say, because if you have any, if you don't have anything to say, who cares how you say it? So content is important, and you're you're usually speaking to somebody because of the content that you have. I mean, in work, in a presentation, in a speech, um, in a video, because everybody's doing videos these days. You're doing it because you are the expert at something because you have something great to say. Now, how are you going to say? I don't mean say, how are you going to give it best? So you have to think about the message and the message has to be really clear and concise. There's a big movement out there to speak in threes and I'm sure you've heard this. Three points. Okay, let me ask you questions. What's nine times one? Nine. Not in messaging math. In messaging math, it's zero. Messaging math, okay. So if I have nine points, zero are gonna get through. That's right. Okay. <laughs> so you get one, you get one great point. In messaging math, three times three, you'd say it's nine. It's one, maybe two. So if you have three points and you say them three times, one or two of them are gonna get through. So the best thing I can say is to have a very clear message and to make sure you get that message out there frequently by using other kinds of techniques throughout the duration of your presentation, such as telling a story, maybe giving a great fact, whatever it is, you need to be sure that you don't overwhelm the human brain with a bunch of different messages because it's not going to work. They're never going to remember. Okay. So one, one key message, share differently. So maybe could you give us an example of, of bad versus good here? All right. So um, it's hard for me to do bad, but I'll try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So I want you to take away from this podcast that you need to make sure that you always sit up straight, that you use your voice in so many different ways, that you never, ever tell a a story that's more than 30 seconds long, that you always have three main points, that I want you to never forget about looking your audience in the eye, that I think you must always have perfect posture, that I think you must point your feet in the right direction, and I think you've got to make sure that your hair is always combed. All right, I just said like 12 different things that I want you to do. How many of those could you actually remember? Well, yeah, almost none. Kind of the last, because it's the last. Comb my hair. Yeah. (laughs) And then I keep my toes pointed and my posture good. But uh, yeah, so not much. Right. But if I said to be really an effective speaker, you must focus on how you're delivering your message and make sure that message has one solid point that's very, very clear and concise. Okay, there's one point. Thank you. All right. Well, so then, so that's one key thing is to be concise. Any pro tips on getting to that brevity and and trimming things down? Yeah. I love mapping, you know, that like taking a big whiteboard and writing all my thoughts on it. And I just, you know, I'll pile a ton of them on it. 
And then I'll circle the ones that really connect. Then I'll put, and then I'll draw lines between them and say, okay, this, 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 and this. I shouldn't be pointing like this because this is a podcast. I apologize. Audience, I'm pointing. I'm like going, pretending like they're all connecting. And then I see what's the common thread. And that helps lead me to my kind of bottom line. So it's really about what do I want the audience to walk away with? What's my key point I want them to walk out the door thinking? And I always have to get back to that. So it's today, I want the, your audience to walk away thinking, I can be a great speaker. Cool. How do I get them there? We've talked about how to use your voice. We've talked about how to use your body. And right now we're talking about how to get to that key point. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, and so now I'm wondering, any key things you recommend we stop doing? Some, some communication don'ts? Oh, yes. How about like, you know, maybe, so. Vocal pauses. All right. My favorite new one is, yeah, no. How many times have you heard people say that recently? That is an odd one. So those are crutch words. And you ditch crutch words by taking a pause. Because crutch words are fillers. And we don't like dead air. We don't like dead air in a podcast. We don't like dead air on television. We don't like dead air in a conversation. We always think we have to fill it up. You don't. And you become more credible when you take a pause. Okay. And a pause is the length of time it takes to tap your foot. Tap it once. Yep. That's it. It's no big deal. But it takes guts because we don't like to do that. It's true. It does, it does take guts. And I think there's some fear that someone else is going to sort of like steal the stage or the microphone or the, or the airtime from you. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm saying something to you, Jane, and then I just paused, it's, it's almost like we're worried like, oh, Oh, I won't get to say the thing that I want to say if I pause because someone else is going to take it. Or people will think I'm dumb if I, if I have silence. So it's like there's some internal you know, fear or, or resistance to, to doing it. So how would you persuade the reluctant pauser? By telling them that if they do that, they will be considered a great talker. It will add volumes to their credibility. I dare you to watch any great speaker out there and note their pauses. Barack Obama, considered to be one of the greatest pausers of all time. Mm. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, no, it's true. I, I was like, when, when, I, when I hear impressions, that's kind of like what, what happens. Like, we hear a few words quickly and then a pause, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> So that's kind of how it unfolds. Right. Uh, Bill Clinton is a, is a good pauser. He's also a great gesturer. And one of the things about that Bill Clinton was told early on was that he had to keep, he liked to take his hands and go, he, was, he had lots of gestures and really wild. And it's so funny because sometimes I work with people and they'll say, I have to gesture a lot because I'm Italian. I'm like, it's okay. But the more you gesture that isn't in sync with what you're saying, then people are distracted and they're not listening to you any longer because they're wondering what the hell you're doing with your hands. Mm -hmm. um, so Bill keeps his gestures inside a square box around his torso and it's made him really effective. And it helped him 
not do all the distracting gestures. Beautiful. Well, Jane, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. Well, I love a Winston Churchill quote, which is, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So always prepare. Okay, that's a great quote. I was just about to ask. So how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Well, I told you about like watching television with the sound turned off. I always like people to assess themselves before I work with them. And it's really interesting how they are so self-critical, far more than they need to be. So I think with, if you ask people when you're there to help them, to give you a really solid, decent assessment that it's really good research into them and it shows they're willing to learn. Cool. And a favorite book? I'll tell you an interesting book that I just read was Huma Abedin. You know, she was Secretary of State Clinton's, you know, right-hand person, and she went through a lot in her personal life. That was pretty good. And a favorite habit? A favorite habit of mine is yoga. I do it virtually every day. And every single morning, I listen to some sort of an inspirational thing about gratitude. That's good. And is there a key nugget you tend to share that really connects and resonates with folks? They quote it back to you often. Yes. A Maya Angelou quote, which is people will forget what you did. People forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's so important, getting back to that idea of listening, you make people feel when you listen to them. Amen. Amen. And I think it's really, I think that is, it's never been more important than it's been in the last two years during what we've all been through, because we all needed to connect more, we needed to feel more, and being able to help be vulnerable, to help be empathetic, to help show compassion. We've all needed it so much. And that just gets back to that notion of helping each other feel. Uh And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them? They could reach out to me at my website, which is janehanson.com, which is an H-A-N-S-O-N, because as any good Midwesterner knows, I'm Norwegian. (laughs) I'm really easy to reach that way. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, take risks. Dare to speak out. Dare to own your space. Dare to let your ideas come forth. Don't keep them inside. What's the worst that could happen? Somebody says no, but I guarantee you they won't. And the moment you start doing it, it only grows. And also, I mean, it's even so simple as go on to a social media site, especially for business like LinkedIn, reach out to somebody you don't know and comment on something. Maybe you've seen something wonderful they've written, or maybe they've gotten some huge, have some huge accomplishment. Congratulate them. You can't believe how many people and how many friends I've made by doing that. I mean, just dare, take a risk. It's worth it. Beautiful. Well, Jane, this has been a treat. Thank you. And I wish you lots of luck in your communications. Thank you. Same to you. And you keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. I really love Jane's reminder associated with our voice and how we use it and checking in to see that we have congruence between the message of our words and our body language and our voice. It's easy to assume that you got it, but it's much better to confirm with a little bit of video and see, oh, wow, I don't sound as confident about that. Let's try it again. 
and get those insights that away. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP729. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.